Welcome to episode number 48 of the Marine Layer podcast. Julio's scorching hot. Do the Mariners have some bullpen problems? We'll go down on the farm, take a look around baseball with our MLB wraparound. We have a Russell Wilson umpire of the week, and we'll close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Your reminder before we start the show that if you're listening on our audio platforms, go check out our YouTube channel too. That's the video side of this podcast where you can subscribe, like, comment, and turn the notification bells on. Make sure to do that when you head over there. And if you're watching on YouTube, head to our audio platforms too. Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. If you do that, make sure to follow us. And big time, big time, guys, make sure to download the episodes and give us those five-star reviews. It really helps us big time. It helps us immensely if you do that. So if you're listening, hit the download on that, up, on that episode and then give us the five-star review. And then you can head over to social media. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Thursday, August 17th. And Law, I have to ask, has your blood pressure come down from this series? A little bit because it's over. I mean, the series is over. Thank goodness. I am ready to be out of Kansas City. I'm actually excited for them to go to Houston. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I am actually excited for them to go to Houston and start this new series because that Royals four-game set was so gut-wrenching, I never want to think about it again. I'm a bad podcast host and forgot to actually look up this number, which I said I was going to look up earlier. What do we think the Royals batting average on balls in play was that series? It had to be at least 400. It was ridiculous. Every ball they put in play landed for a hit, whether it was a soft hit ball, a hard hit ball, an infield single, a ball in the gap, everything, everything landed for a hit. Uh, Does the PR team for Dylan Moore have a statement on his play in the seventh inning today? Everybody makes mistakes. Listen, he thought the ball was caught. He simply thought it was a normal line out and he'll shake it off for next time. That's all you can do, right? I guess so. Doesn't make up for the fact I yelled very loudly when I was driving. I, I couldn't like, usually I'll, first instinct is to go rage text someone, but I couldn't do that. So when you drive yourself around alone everywhere, it's much easier to just yell at your windshield. It's a a great communication device, I would say. Good job, Demo. You you gave some entertainment before Julio put the icing on the cake at the end. Usually that rage text goes to me. Yes. And to be fair, my rage texts go right back at you. So it's not like it's a one-way street here. Hey, dog, if you want to be cheered up, I thought I'd save this for the podcast, especially the start of the podcast. If you need a little bit of a boost in, not a boost in momentum, a a boost in your mood. You were wearing that Kirkland shirt, remember, on the last episode? Well, here we are two days later, and look what I found here. Look what I found. See what that? What is that? Okay, so a little backstory. Uh, my dad, who is a avid listener of the pod, was listening to our last episode, and he thought it would be fun to find me a shirt. It was just a nice gesture of him. So he gets me a shirt. From our friends at Simply Seattle, you can use code Marine Layer po- or Marine Fifteen. Code Marine Fifteen, you can get fifteen percent off. He used it. He sent it to the house. It got here today. I open it up. 
and it's a Ballard FC shirt. And I was like, well, that was fast. And I said, I think I'm now going to have to wear it on the pod. So you're welcome. Does that mean you're also going to go to a Ballard FC match? I think there are some people from my high school that I used to know that still play on that team. You can name drop me, see if they remember. I have a friend from high school who plays on that team, funny enough. Oh, let's go. There we go. <laughs> so <laughs> That's incredible. Here we so are. you want your best Ballard gear, code Marine15 at Simply Seattle. So now I have a Ballard shirt. Now you have a Kirkland shirt. We're just going to have to prearrange a time where we both wear them on the same episode. If you want to go see Lyle's sick shirt, go check out our YouTube, please. Watch it's, it on you're missing out if you're not watching on YouTube. Watch this on YouTube. I'm sitting up a little bit. Ballard FC. I will say you hid that perfectly behind your mic. I like, was not even looking. That was kind of the goal. I didn't want to tell you before we started the podcast. I wanted your live on-air reaction. And here we are. And now, like, I can see the B there at the front. But, yeah, like, you can't see it. You can't. That's brilliant. Good job. Good job, Jay. Thank you. Yeah, shout out, Jay. Shout out my dad. It was a nice, it was a nice gift. And now I've got something to represent, the, not city of Ballard, but neighborhood of Ballard. Neighborhood of Ballard. we got to stand up. Let's get to our Mariners storylines. Up first, Lyle, the heart attack portion of this show, which actually became a little less relevant as we sit here recording on a Thursday, but still something to talk about because it was a heavy issue this week. Do the Mariners have a bullpen problem? Just from watching the Royals series, you'd sit there and think, yes. You would think the guys are collapsing. Things are falling apart. This is not boding well as the season goes on. Then you actually look at the numbers, which is why it's very good to have opinions on this stuff with facts behind it and opinions not while you're in the heat of the moment of watching games because the two opinions you'll have in the two different settings is night and day different. Because during those games, I think we all said the same thing, saying this bullpen all of a sudden does not look like the bullpen it did in the first few months. But then you go, look, even at the last two weeks, if you look at how this bullpen as a team has fared in the last couple of weeks, they've been totally fine. They still rank as a top five unit in almost every category. They do rank as a top 10 unit in all the major ERA and ERA predictor categories, along with F-War. Really, the bullpen's been totally fine. This has been magnified because they blew a game on Monday, which in reality, the offense came back after what was a huge deficit, took a lead, and the bullpen blew a one-run lead late. Munoz let the game go on Tuesday only for the team to come back and win. And then despite close games, both Wednesday and Thursday, the Mariners won those two. So in reality, the bullpen is not breaking down. It just might've felt like that at points of this Royal series. And don't get us twisted. This bullpen would be better with Paul Seawald. Let's, let's not ignore that fact. That is a, that is a fact. I think Paul Seawald would still be a very, very, very valuable contributor to this Mariners bullpen. However, the reason Andres Munoz and Matt Brash had struggling outings was not because Paul Seawald is kicking his feet up in the, in the desert heat in Arizona. That That's not really the case. Now, hear me out. If Ryder Ryan is out there blowing a save in this Kansas City series, didn't he get sent down today? He got sent down today. Yeah. He okay. did. If, if we want to talk about that small little piece of news... Ryder Ryan got sent back to Tacoma. They called up Eduardo Bizardo, who Eduardo Bizardo, they acquired him in a small trade. Apparently, the front office and analytics team love that guy's breaking balls. So, for example, if Ryder Ryan, say, enters in the seventh inning of one of these Kansas City games with a four-run lead 
and instantly surrenders four runs before you get a chance to get to Munoz and Brash, then I think we would have a, a bit more of a fair argument sitting here and saying, yeah, yeah, that, that trade might have an issue because instead of three elite arms, you have two and you're kind of stretching it out a little bit. But that wasn't the case. That was just Andres Munoz and Matt Brash not, not pitching as well, to say the least. Let's start with Munoz because I think he's the actual I would say root-ish of the problem. He's still been pretty good this year. If you go look at his Savant page, he's been awesome. His big issue, his walk rate has doubled. He's not missing bats quite as often as he was last year. And it's really showing. In that Tuesday outing he had, where I'm going to partially blame Scott in the front office for for making that game plan for him and, and leaving him out there for 42 pitches, which should never happen. But it happened anyway. It, that was just kind of a microcosm of what Andres Munoz has struggled with this season. That's half the problem. He shouldn't have been out there for half that outing. Once he started to get into some trouble, which it wasn't his best outing to begin with, he should have been taken out of the game. I don't care how you feel like you're lining up with your bullpen arms. Even if it's your best guy like Munoz, he cannot throw 42 pitches. No relievers throwing 42 pitches. Not even in like a postseason game. You almost never, ever see that. I mean. That, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but that was not Scott's best managerial game. I felt like his bullpen decisions were not sharp, and I didn't agree with leaving Munoz in for 42 pitches. That being said, Munoz does need to pitch a little bit better. You just mentioned the walk rate is way up. That has to come down. I don't think his sliders have been quite as sharp as they were even just a few weeks ago. I think he's just going through a little bit of a bump in the road right now. I think he has to refine that slider that's been so deadly for him. His fastball velo was down the other night too, which maybe is a sign of fatigue. I just think he has to find a way to get back to his form because I think he's just going through a rough patch right now. It does happen, even for somebody as good as Andres Munoz. What I think is curious is I wonder if he maybe starts throwing his fastball more because his fastball's been more effective than it was last year. He threw his average, his average fastball last year was over 100 miles an hour, but hitters, yes, I'm about to throw batting average out, hit over 300 against his fastball last year. They didn't do quite as much damage as you would think hitting through over 300 against a, a 100 mile an hour fastball, but they still were pretty effective against it. And his, the success was, of course, non-existent against his slider. This year, both pitches are good. The fastball has been, been pretty good. I believe hitters are hitting under 200 against his fastball. So maybe if he's struggling with his command and he can't locate that slider, I don't see a reason why he can't throw more of his fastballs, which I believe his fastball usage has gone down this year, which is probably hasn't helped the command as well with it. his slider. I think he's throwing nearly 70% of the time, but not landing it in the strike zone. Here's a stat for Munoz and just seeing how this how the walks affect him. Since July 1st, he's walked a batter in an outing nine times. An opponent has scored at least one run in seven of those nine outings. It's pretty important. You you knew something was up with Munoz and it might be trouble when he's walking Samad Taylor on Tuesday. Lau, have you heard of him before? Samad Taylor. A little bit, just because I follow some people in the minor leagues for the Royals who I've seen his name been floated around a decent amount. I know he has some speed, but not heard of him in the same way that we had been following guys like Bobby Witt or Vinny Pasquantino before they debuted. Right. It, he's, I think, 50% below league average as a hitter. So when your best reliever, theoretically, is is walking that guy in a in a do-or-die ninth inning, you think, well, 
maybe something's up. So I think that's really the big thing for Munoz. He's got to find more more strikes. And he's got to find a little bit more effectiveness with his slider. Do you think any of the do you think any of this has to do with the fact he didn't have a spring training and he had multiple setbacks while trying to get back from that foot injury? Because I do think that plays a factor even as we sit here in the middle of August. I think so, to be honest. Look at this. So he he came back in June through eight and two-thirds innings in a, in a full month. Then he ramped it up a little bit more in July through 12 and two-thirds innings. And then here, a little bit over halfway through August, he's at seven and two-thirds innings. And uh, probably is on pace, at least at this moment, to break the 12 and two-thirds he had last month. So that's something you've you got to be cautious about. And that ramp up he didn't get in spring training now might be affecting him, I would think. that's. I was thinking the same thing as you were. We're obviously rooting for Andres, not just because he is the most valuable arm in this bullpen, but also, as we've talked about, so easy to root for. He's like the greatest guy. I hate that we have to sit here and say, yeah, he's been struggling as of his last few outings. But as we pointed out just a minute ago, this does happen even with the best relievers. There are points in a season where they will hit rough patches. The hope is this is not extensive for Andres, and he figures it out moving forward. Despite all that, did you see Luke Arkin's tweet comparing Eddie and Andres through three seasons? I'd actually have to imagine it's pretty close. Uh, believe it or not, Andres in less innings has been better than than Eddie Edwin Diaz. Uh, sorry, through first not through first three seasons, through their first ninety eight games as a Mariner. That's incredible. I mean, now I know, Andres- An- yeah, I know Andres had a little bit of time with the Padres before he came up, so maybe a little bit of a head start, but. If you go look at this tweet from Luke Arkins, great follow on Twitter for any Mariners fan. M- Munoz's stats across the board say Sand's strikeout rate. They're better than Edwin Diaz's was through 98 career games. He really is incredible. I really love watching Andres Munoz pitch because when he's on, he's borderline untouchable. Now, speaking of untouchable, the guy I'm about to bring up hasn't quite been that, but I do have another question to throw at you. We have seen this bullpen be at its best, at least early in the year, when Munoz was facing the best hitters in the order, no matter what part of the game it was. Matt Brash was the bridge guy, and Seawald was closing. Now, obviously, Seawald's gone. How would we feel about Justin Topa starting to close games, and you put Munoz and Brash back into those aforementioned roles? They were talking about that on the pregame show one of these days, and I honestly don't hate the idea. He's a soft contact guy. He throws hard throws a lot of strikes, gives you like really what you want. I mean, you've seen closers that are out of that mold. Joe Nathan, that's what he did, right? A lot of ground balls, sinkers, and that's what that's what Topa does. I don't I don't think that's a terrible idea. And it really limits the I would say scare of allowing a go ahead three run home run when you're up two. Since June fifteenth, Justin Topa has an 086 ERA, a two fifty five FIP and a whip of exactly one. Sign me right up. Munoz faces the heart of the order. Brash is the bridge guy. Topa pitches the ninth. That sounds good to me. Speaking of the bridge guy, we're not worried about Brash, are we? I don't think so. I mean, he looked unbelievable today in the ninth inning. I, To be honest, I think Matt Brash needs to throw more, so he's sharp and his command doesn't go out the window. That's quite, kind of what I was thinking. I think I texted you that when he, when he got in the game. It's like, well, kind of makes sense. They're just going to throw him out there the fourth time in five days. I mean, if he hasn't been sharp, let's... Just throw him out there and let him dial his com- in his command more. And what do you know? One, two, three without an issue, right? With Matt Brash. And that's 
you know, really what Matt Brash is for people after his Monday outing. And then even when he allowed a home run a couple days later, it's like, I mean, Matt Brash has been erratic all season long. Where have you been? This is who he is for the most part. Now, his command was a little bit better last year than it's been this year. But there are outings where Matt Brash will go out there and he does not know where the ball is going. There's a lot of outings, much more than what I just mentioned, that he goes out there is the Matt Brash that's throwing wiffle balls. Nobody touches him. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. And he's a dominant reliever. But there are outings where he just struggles to find command. I will say this. He gave up the home run the other day. That rarely ever happens to Brash. He so rarely gives up any hard contact. When he struggles, it's because he's not throwing strikes. It's not because guys are knocking him around. To be fair, he very much missed his spot on that pitch. Cal was set up on the <clears throat> excuse me, set up on the outside corner, and the fastball went right back over the middle half of the plate, totally missing his spot. So uh, I would say maybe not deserve to give up a home run, but shocked that it led to hard contact. When you miss your spot, that's probably it. I will say, did see quite a few Matt Brash sucks tweets on Monday, and yes, I probably wasn't feeling great about it when he gave that up and the Royals went on a walk off bunt. <clears throat> But I don't think I saw those. I don't think I saw those tweets when Matt Brash had uh, nine consecutive scoreless outings before that. Did you see that, Lyle? Or what about the six consecutive scoreless outings since Paul Sewald got traded? Did, did what about during any of those? Didn't see that, it. No, I didn't think so. Go look at Matt Brash's savant page. Watch a few of his sliders on Pitching Ninja and take a deep breath. He's going to be fine. That's just too logical for people on Mariners Twitter to comprehend. That you're using facts and reason. That maybe doesn't we, comprehend. Maybe when we get more into this, we'll have to rank our favorite Mariners Twitter personalities and have them all on the show to make their case of why they deserve the ranking. <laughs> I'm down. All I was going to say about the brash home run is I didn't mean that he didn't deserve to give it up. It was not a good pitch. All I mean is he rarely gives up hard contact in general. That's all I was saying is the home run he gave up. That's a once in a blue moon type thing for brash. He will not give up home runs or hard contact very often. No, he won't. Okay, before we move on to our second storyline here, quick word from a new sponsor of ours. I want to tell you guys a little bit about our friends from the Columbia Athletic Club. Columbia Athletic Club, Juanita Bay in Kirkland, is a full-service, family-owned athletic club that's been inspiring healthier lives since 1981. Amenities include all-new strength and cardio equipment, free weights, basketball and squash courts, saltwater pools, hot tubs, and so much more. Included if you're included with your membership, if you sign up, are group exercise classes with the likes of yoga, Zumba, bar, group power, and cycling. By the way, guys, I've gone to this gym nearly my whole life. It's awesome. The equipment is great. It has everything you could possibly need. And the people are incredibly friendly. I mean, sometimes you hear these stigmas about health clubs and the type of people that might go there. It's not like this at the Columbia Athletic Club at all. People are incredibly nice, friendly. They're happy to talk. It's a very nice, laid-back environment. If you're interested in a membership, the best promotions of the year start now through the fall season. Get started with a five-day, free five-day trial today at ColumbiaAthletic.com. That is ColumbiaAthletic.com. 
This fall, stream your favorites and discover more with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus together. Watch the highly anticipated new season of Loki and see the ghosts materialize in Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. Catch more frights with the Boogeyman and American Horror Story Delicate on Hulu. And on ESPN Plus, get into the action with college football and NFL. All of these and more streaming now. Get the Disney Bundle with plans starting at $9.99 a month. Plans with ESPN Plus starting at $14.99 a month. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Second storyline. Julio Rodriguez is fully back. The J-Rod show is on and it is scorching hot with flames coming out of it. I'm shocked they didn't chase him out of Kansas City. I mean, what an unbelievable series. What an unbelievable series. Have you seen all these accolades he's racked up and the historical aspects of of this? Did you know no Mariner ever has had 12 hits in a single series? None. Nobody. I hadn't heard that. The big one I heard when he hit the home run today is he's the second player ever to hit 20 home runs and steal 20 bags in each of his first two seasons next to the guy that was playing across from him and Bobby Witt Jr. It's pretty pretty impressive, isn't it? It's pretty impressive. This guy has turned it on at the perfect time when they have needed him the most, and he has not looked back. Since July 1st, Julio, and this is not including today, by the way, the stats have not updated from his five-for-five five day today on Thursday with the home run, but entering Thursday, since July 1st, Julio, Slashing 306, 362 on base, 494 slug, 856 OPS, 139 WRC plus. He is striking out slightly more than 23% of the time. This is Julio Rodriguez. This is Julio. I'm going to give credit to Sarah Langs for some of these fun nuggets. If you want some of these fun stats on baseball, Go follow uh, Sarah on on Twitter, Sarah Langs. You can you can find her. She's she provides some of the best baseball content there is. She's dug up some really fun things from this series for Julio. I mean, first off, at 22 years and 231 days old, Julio Rodriguez is the third youngest player since at least 1901 with nine plus hits in a two game span. Wow, would you like to guess the last person that did this? Wild guess. Hank Aaron? No. Do you know a Frankie Hayes? I do not. 1936. <laughs> and then in 1928, it was Freddie Lindstrom. That's it. That's the only that's the only part of this list that that Julio's on. I actually I, think I know I think I know that name. I think I know Freddie Lindstrom, who is different than Fred Lynn, who was a legend, but I actually think I know that name funny enough. Regardless, that is ridiculous what Julio's doing. It is. It's absurd. And I I couldn't be happier that he's back. They don't win most of these games without him, to be honest. I mean, look at Monday. I know they blew the lead, but this dude gives them the lead in the ninth inning. In the eighth inning, knocks in a three-run double to to bring them bring them back from down five nothing and make it five to three and make the game interesting. Or how about today when he goes four thirty-two? over the bullpen in left field, down two runs. You know, you and I are pissed off. George Kirby gets kicked out of the game. Not kicked out, but taken out of the game after he gets shelled. And Julio just bails him out because this is finally the Julio Rodriguez we've been. And not only 
is he back? But he's back in a clutch way too. It was great. It was great to see all the memes on Twitter where they would like, I, I forget who tweets out the, the choke artist one of Julio, but they like crossed it out and said clutch. Even if we knew the name, we're not promoting those Mariners Twitter people no, on this we're podcast. Not. No, we're not. Because most of the people on Mariners Twitter aren't exactly spreading positive content. The ones that do, like Luke Arkins, like our friend Jason Churchill, oh, we'll promote them. But the people that you're referring to, like this tweet you're talking about, about the Julio choke artist, yeah. Yeah, I know he, I know you know who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. The choke artist has a 156 WRC plus in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning since July 1st. He obviously doesn't have the it factor. He doesn't. Does he not look just way more relaxed, even getting away from the numbers for a minute? Doesn't, does he not look calm, composed in the box, and by the way, on time with fastballs? So there's a little bit, a little nugget to that. I don't know if you saw this. It was written on MLB.com. I have a screen grab here. I presume it's by Daniel Kramer. But Jared DeHart suggested that Julio go to a bit of a wider stance, and it's really paid dividends. I mean, they, a lot of credit's being lobbed on Jared DeHart for suggesting this to Julio. And, and the, the the nugget here is it's got a wider stance, creates more load from the bottom up, and eliminates unnecessary movements en route to reaching his hitting position. So I'd say that's probably a decent part of it as well. It helps them be relaxed when there's less moving parts and just more bat head to ball, which is working. It's working seamlessly. It's weird. I thought they should have fired him. At least that's what Mariners Twitter said. Somebody asked to be fired and their vote was the hitting coach into heart. <laughs> <sighs> we're really, we're really harping on Mariners Twitter today. And there are good people out there on Mariners Twitter, but you sometimes see the same people pop up over and over which is just what makes your blood boil on top of watching an incredibly frustrating series in which they somehow still won three of four. But you know what? Let's, let's keep it positive here. Let's just talk about Julio being awesome because he's been. How about the fact he might get to 30 homers and 40 stolen bases? That's a pretty insane down season. I would say. Not to mention that he is playing the best outfield defense in all of baseball by outs above average. We're going to talk about Bobby Witt later in the episode, but it was so fun to see not only are the those two guys the only guys with two 2020 seasons in each of their first two seasons but now here in their second season they're also each the best perspective the best defender at each of their positions isn't that crazy the youngest guys sure they're the best athletes but it takes fundamentals too and they make it look so 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 easy that rookie class from 2022 may go down in the history books. We're talking about Julio. We're talking about Adley. We're talking about Bobby Witt. We're talking about George Kirby. That's a pretty ridiculous rookie class. I mean, it, we're a little far away, but half that class in the Hall of Fame? It's, it's possible. It's pretty bold. It's bold. I know that's bold, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm not going to say this with that much confidence, but no, they got the talent. For sure. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt they have the talent. It's so here's nice. A, here's a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's just so nice to see Julio doing this just because obviously nobody cares more than Julio does. He wants it so badly and you know, he does. And you know, he's working his tail off every single day, even when he was going through that rough patch earlier in the year to fix this and he's fixed it. And keep in mind for this dude to be 22, a lot of guys at his age with all the preconceived hype and went through something like this, some of them do not recover from it. But Julio's not only recovered, 
He's back to what he was doing in the heart of his prime rookie season just a year ago. And now he's carrying the team all of a sudden. Remember when we would bitch about Julio striking out? I think I would. I think we did. At certain clutch points early in the season, there would be some complaints about Julio striking out. During that stretch I mentioned from July 1st until now, his strikeout rate is league average. And if we look at his season total numbers, his quality of contact, his expected weighted on-base average is the exact same as it was last year right now. It is the exact same. And his K percentage is now lower than it was last year too. For down season, again, down season, put that in context. Also put in context that his K rate was close to 30% for a lot of this year, and he has yanked that thing down, which is awesome. Julio, I, I mean, I, how many times, I don't know how many different ways we can say Julio's awesome. I am very glad he is a Mariner for 17 years. His ground ball rate is still high, if you were curious. 49% during that stretch. That is a little high. You know yeah. what, though? That's nitpicking. I had one yeah. nitpicking yeah. thing in year two, which was while he's squaring up fastballs more, I think he could still square up a few more of the inside fastballs. But again, we're nitpicking on a guy who is a superstar, the face of this team, and now carrying a ball club that's in the best stretch of their 2023. I don't think it's just simply a coincidence that the Mariners also happen to go now have gone 28 and 13 since. Julio started heating up. I don't think it's a coincidence. Kept saying the team goes as Julio goes. And wow, would you look at that? They're in playoff position now that he started hitting. It's not a coincidence in any way whatsoever. I will say it helps that Cal's red hot, that now Ty's hot, that Gino's hitting better, that the guys that are supposed to hit are now hitting the way people expected them to. And it's so refreshing to watch this offense again. I I, I look forward to watching the at-bats now. I do. And I love seeing Julio be Julio. Okay, let's go down on the farm. Who you got this week? We got to highlight one of the recent first rounders, Colt Emerson, man. He hasn't taken any time to get acclimated to the complex league. He's only played four games so far, but what's he done? Seven for 15, a home run, two doubles, four RBIs, three walks, and he's two for two on stolen bases. Uh, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That sounds like a Subway Turkey Club sandwich. Best meal of the day right there. Yeah. You eat your Subway <laughs> Turkey Club, you're going to go out and play like that. We we stand for it, Cole Emerson. If you missed the inside joke, go check out our draft episode with Joe Doyle. If you haven't, I know a lot of people have listened to that, but if you haven't, please go listen to that. Joe's great, and uh, you'd get the joke if you listen to that listen to that interview. So please go do that. I'm excited for Cole Emerson, man. What a what a great, exciting draft class. Also, not exactly that draft class, but same age. Lazaro Montes is also absolutely killing it. It's funny because there's so many guys to highlight, and none of those guys I just mentioned are even my guy. I'm gonna pick Zach Deloach because I was gonna pick Zach last week, and for some reason I didn't. Well, he's got an 1100 OPS his last 16 games and slugging 712. I feel kind of bad for him down in Tacoma as he's doing probably be about as best as good as you can down in Tacoma. There's just literally no room for him on the big league roster. There's no outfield spots left, especially with Jared Kelnick coming coming back and the young outfielders in front of him. So he's got this hot stretch going and it just doesn't seem like barring injury there would be a big league slot anytime available for him as even though he's he's really turning it around. He is currently 28th on the Mariners top 30. So it is good to see Zach hitting a little bit in AAA. 
He's crushing it, which is awesome for him. I can't imagine he was thrilled when that Dominic Canzone trade happened, aka when Seawald was sent to Arizona and Canzone's who they got back because it just created another guy that Deloach is going to have to try to fight for time from. But he's doing everything he can do. Is there a chance he could get brought up in September? I guess. I mean, it, it depends on injuries, need, all that stuff. But the nice thing for the Mariners is they know if they need outfield help at some point, they've got it with Deloach, who is just crushing it down in AAA. Speaking of outfield help, sounds like Jared Kelnick might come back early September. We forgot to mention that in our storylines, but I'm glad we're going to take 30 seconds to do it here. Yeah, he's out of the walking boot as of today, Thursday. He's ramping up baseball activities, and the Mariners expect, they said expect, he will be back in early September. We love to see that. Can I make a cooler joke? You said it, not me. Yeah, they're not going to, they're only going to give him Gatorade bottles to drink from. There will not be a cooler allowed at his practice field. Sorry, Jared. I'm a Jared Stan. I'm, I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing, but get back out, get back out on the field as soon as you can and start just crushing it again. I can't wait. Hey, Jared, I miss you too. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's all in low. It's all in good luck. TJ just had to throw one little elbow jab in there. He, he can't help to. it. He can't hold it back. Hey, he kicked the jug, not me. Well, that part is true. Okay, let's go to our MLB wraparound here. First topic here. It's been a tough week for the Rays. So, couple big nuggets here for the Rays. Wander Franco is on the restricted list. We're not going to dive into the story of why. If you would like to go read some more details about that story, Google is a fantastic tool and you can find everything you need on that subject. Does not sound good for Wander. It, there were some reports coming out yesterday that he might not play again, ever. So you can go look that up. Razor without Wander Franco for the near future. Also announced yesterday, Shane McClanahan will have Tommy John surgery and miss all of next season. That's a really, really tough blow for a race team that thinks they still have a chance to win the American League East. I couldn't think of a worse worse week. The Wander News is the Wander News, and we'll leave it at that. But if you're going to talk about Rays pitching, Shane McClanahan, there is an argument that over the last two years, Shane McClanahan has been the best pitcher in baseball. There is a real argument for that. And now he's gone for not just the rest of 2023, not just the 2023 postseason, but all of 2024 piled on top of the fact that they have already lost Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, and Shane Boz. Three other starters, should we mention, to Tommy John surgery. It has been a brutal year for the Rays and Rays pitching depth as a whole. It is nice. They still have a, to be I don't know how this is possible. They do still have kind of a solid starting rotation. They have Savali, they have Zach Eflin, and they have Tyler Glass now as well. So, like, it's good enough. Well, they're chasing a red-hot Baltimore Orioles team. And with those four guys that you expected to be not just key contributors, but really, really, really good pitchers all out, stacks the cards against you. They'll probably still get into the playoffs, but I don't see how they make any sort of run dealing with everything they've dealt with now. It's tough. The Rays are always in a tough spot because ownership does not allow them to spend a lot of money. They have to do everything through draft, develop, and trade, which they do better than anybody. 
But nobody can withhold this type of injury, and especially injuries at this level to this many players. And when you need pitching to get you through a postseason, something the Rays are usually built on, it's going to be tough with all those guys out. Even as good as Eflin and Glass now and the others have been, and, and trading for Aaron Savali, it's just going to be a tough uphill climb. And they had to give up a near major league ready bat to get Aaron Savali for an offense that's now going to be depleted with Wander, who had a who had a really good season in the field. He was one of the best defensive shortstops. He was also 29% better at league average as a hitter. The Rays offense has matched this year that they might be able to cover up that loss a little bit more. But you did mention spending money. When they did spend money, they did spend it on him. Right? I, I know there might be a clause there in that contract, but that's tough. That is, that's, that is a brutal week for a Rays fan. I cannot imagine being a fan of a team who has a young 22-year-old superstar and got the kind of news that, that Wander had. And yeah, it stinks. It does. It's brutal. I will say, though, you talked about how the Rays had to give up a near big league ready prospect to get Aaron Savali. Shout out Kyle Manzardo for a second. Listen, we're ASU grads. We're not on one side of the UW Washington State train. We can simply hope that both do well. Kyle Manzardo, Washington State Cougar, one of the best hitting prospects in baseball. Shout out him. He might make an impact for the Guardians down the road. That's crazy. I totally forgot he went to Wazoo. I'm yeah. sure we saw him when, yeah. um, when he was playing, but... Yeah, I know he's good. I definitely probably didn't see top prospect in Major League Baseball, but you never know. I mean, we watched Alec Marsh pitch against the M's yesterday, so. <laughs> Sun Devil great. Sun Devil great, Alec Marsh. He actually had a good outing the other day. I remember the last time, you remember the last time we watched him in person? I mean, he had a good year that last year, but no. No, we were uh, calling that game at UW, remember? He got absolutely shelled. Oh, that's right. That did happen. That, that was the last time we saw him in person. So, right. Yeah. Well, unfortunate. I think yeah. that uh, that Joe Waynehouse homer is still still traveling. Remember that? Yeah, that they hit one in the first inning. I mean, I'm I remember this one pretty clearly. I mean, I don't know if you've you got any of our listeners have ever been to Husky Husky Ballpark. Joe Waynehouse, if you might remember him, he played there. I think his last year was 2018. I mean, he hit a ball that went up the top of the batter's side there at UW. That well, was uh, that was a long home run. Yeah, it was 2019 because 2019 was the year we were there oh, calling it. Right. But Wayne House was your typical big, powerful college hitter who probably had a ceiling capped at the college level. But yeah, he hit that ball over the batter's eye. It was crushed. And we were just like, wow. Wow. <laughs> yep. And now here's Hunter Bish or uh, Alec Morris the other day. It's like on my television. I'm like, oh, cool. It's been a... Uh, Time flies, doesn't it? It really does. Okay, let's get to our second MLB wraparound subject. We already kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but we will rehash. How fun is it to watch Bobby Wood? I mean, I know it, it is. it got to the point this week where it's like just anybody stepped to the plate, but Bobby Wood, please. I mean, that, uh, that I think is how you know someone has arrived. It's like, please don't go up. Bobby Wood is a bona fide superstar. We sit here in the middle of August, 2023. Bobby Witt Jr. is a bona fide superstar. Here are some Bobby Witt Jr. numbers. He is top 10 in all of baseball in F4. That's second among shortstops. He is 0.1 wins above replacement behind Corey Seager for being the shortstop leader in wins. He is slashing 
276, 317, 495, 812 for the year. That's entering today with 23 bombs and a WRC plus close to 120. He has a 173 WRC plus since July 1st. And in that time, he is second in baseball in F war behind only behind only Cody Bellinger. Bobby Witt Jr. is a bona fide superstar. He is here. He's arrived. Everything. I'll shrink the sample size. Last three weeks, his WRC plus is 218, slugging 744. Oh, and by the way, he's really fucking fast. The only player in big league history with 20 homers and 30 steals in each of his first two seasons. The only one of all time was Bobby Witt Jr. Isn't it crazy? Some people took walked away from last year thinking, oh, Bobby Witt Jr. underwhelmed a little bit, considering he hit 20 home runs and 30 bo- 20 home runs and swiped 30 bags as a rookie. He just got forgotten about a little bit because of how good Julio and Adley were as rookies, and they stole all the spotlight. And Bobby Witt Jr., who was arguably the best prospect in baseball when he debuted, still had a really good rookie season, but now here we sit in 2023. And you can see exactly why these three, Julio, Witt, Adley, were compared neck and neck for so long. Because all three of them are superstars. And Bobby Witt Jr., you're seeing it every day now. On top of the the batting, on top of the speed, his most impressive turnaround was his defense. He was the worst defender in baseball at the shortstop position last year. The worst. This year, he is the best. That does not happen. I'll let you know. That does not happen. No, he leads all of baseball in outs above average. He's not just the best shortstop. He is the best player in baseball on the defensive side of the ball. He's got 14 outs above average. So you talk about a turnaround for that guy, night and day. I don't even know what his downside is. I mean, he doesn't walk that much. That's the only thing I can really pinpoint because he doesn't really strike out either. Someone... I forget who exactly it was on Twitter, but like quote tweeted the Grand Slam. It's like, oh, Bobby Witt's low key turning into Mike Trout right in front of our eyes. And it was on the perfect Mike Trout pitch. I mean, if you look at Bobby Witt's swing, he kind of has a little bit of that downward low ball hitting approach that Trout does. And that Hancock pitch, by the way, was just not a good pitch. 91 right on the bottom rung of the strike zone that Bobby Witt hit an absolute mile on Tuesday for a Grand Slam. Uh, you know, I, I saw a little bit of it. I did. There have been people saying that a lot recently. Bobby Witt Jr. is just turning into Mike Trout. I don't know if he quite has the natural power Mike Trout has, but you talk about that right-handed swing. It is similar. And can the Royals build a team around Bobby Witt Jr.? We might be talking about that storyline for a while because in that regard, he may compare to Trout. After looking at their lineup, I feel like I have a little more confidence in their ability to put a lineup around him more than a pitching staff because despite all the Mariners' struggles this weekend, they crushed Kansas City pitching, who, which is, I think, it is the worst staff in the league. They're, they're pretty bad on the pitching side. So again, another way he compares to Mike Trout, where they might find some bats around him and then absolutely no pitching. Speaking of Mike Trout, how'd you like that tweet I sent you earlier? Remind me which one it was. You it sent was me a the, lot of tweets. It was the deadline, uh, the deadline one. Oh, that the Angels have just been abysmal since the, yeah. <laughs> since the yeah. deadline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, DM, if, if you want to see the tweet, I'll DM it to you. Just message me on Twitter. 
Who could have ever seen this coming? That the Angels, shocker, despite all this world-class talent, are going to underperform and miss the playoffs. I mean, who could have ever seen that coming? Not me. Not me. I think Mike Trout's enjoyed being on the injured list and not having to to play with these bums. (laughs) I will say for Bobby Witt that you're right that there are some bats around him, and there's some young bats around him. That is a key here because... Vinny Pasquantino, they'll get back next year, which if you haven't seen Vinny Pasquantino hit, that guy can flat out hit. You just He just hasn't been on the field much this year. But when he gets back, between having MJ Melendez, between a few of the other guys that have really just impressed this week, there are bats around Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah, I hadn't heard of Michael Garcia before today, before this week. And he he lit fire to the Mariners pitching staff. He's he's been on base a ton. He's got a big on base streak going. Yeah, there's guys in this lineup that can absolutely help. And Salvi's still hitting at least a little bit. So, yeah. He's not running very fast. He never has. Okay, third storyline here. We're going to stay in the AL Central. We're highlighting some teams that haven't gotten a lot of national talk this year. But we're highlighting them because there are things to talk about. We're going to talk about the Tigers because very quietly, TJ... They're starting to really form a core here with some of these young bats. Didn't you think it was funny when we were preparing for this episode and looking at these two teams we were going to talk about in the wraparound? These were two teams when the Mariners were pushing to prominence the last two years and finally breaking through and winning 90 games. And you and I sat here and looked back at the Royals and Tigers like, man, those teams started rebuilding before the Mariners did. And by the time the Mariners have made the playoffs... These two teams are still atrocious and have no path towards the playoffs. Well, now, funny enough, here we are highlighting them on a Mariners podcast. And their cores, their young players they've invested in, are starting to really bear some fruits. I know Riley Green's been the best Tiger, but our Sun Devil Bias is going to start here. It is great to see Spencer Torkelson start hitting at the big league level. You and I both said, watching him hit in college watching him destroy college pitching, that that dude was going to be a good, if not great, major league hitter. And it was a kind of a shock to our system last year when he came out and stunk in a full season against big league pitching. He was awful. But he's finally starting to show this year he's, he's got the quality of contact, he's got the home run power, and his WRC Plus finally has climbed above 100, which is a big, big accomplishment. It's at 133 in the last month, 133 WRC plus, 860 OPS in the last month. And by the way, he's got seven bombs in his last eight games. Torque is red hot right now, which I don't think is a shock to either of us and basically anybody that watched him in college. It's just so easy to forget that some of these prospects, even the top notch blue chip prospects, do not have a linear development process. It just doesn't happen. Development is never linear. I think the Tigers also rushed Torque to the big leagues a little bit. I do not think they gave him enough time in the minors. And because of it, he had to learn a little bit on the fly when he got to the majors last year. Now he's starting to finally figure it out. And we're seeing the Spencer Torkelson that we saw through three years at ASU, which was he was just absolutely hammering home runs with huge exit velos and just, just flat out hitting, which is what he was drafted to do, which is what he's done his whole life. And we think he's going to do in Detroit for a while. He was not drafted for his defense, and the Tigers are not bearing any fruit of his defense. I know I've used that reference here a couple times, but uh, his defense has been atrocious, and that's why his war is like near zero, because even despite the fact he's hitting, his defense has been uh, not great. 
But you're right. Again, they don't they don't need him to play defense. How about Riley Green? I mean, Riley Green all of a sudden has blossomed past Torque. He was high, rated, I believe, higher than Torque as a prospect. Uh, was he? Uh, it was close. They were like neck and neck. Those guys were both top five prospects. It was close. Well, we, we look at Riley Green. Uh, Riley Green, I have this number written down somewhere. Where is it? Oh, Riley Green for the season is at a 139 WRC plus now. Sneaky. Very sneaky. And he's missed some time with injury too, but guy who plays good defense, who can hit, he's on pace for about a three and a half win season. And he's hit the ball really hard this year. His baseball savant page will back that up. This is a guy that's going to be their center fielder for the foreseeable future. And it's hard a lot of the time to hit on multiple blue chip prospects. They always talk about with these rebuilds that prospects don't always pan out. Riley Green has. And if Torque starts to keep up what he's been doing, you're going to have your two thumpers in the middle of that lineup for a long time here. And Riley Green's 22 and Torque's 23. And they're the two of the three best hitters in the lineup. Kerry Carpenter is 25, is also having a good good turnaround as well. Between those three, if you just look at the month of August, I mean, Green's got a 950 OPS, Torque's got a 950 OPS, and then Kerry Carpenter's had a 1200 OPS in this month of August. And, and Kerry Carpenter as well, another solid savant page. And also, he's matched production-wise Riley Green across the board for this season. And those three guys I just named, they're the only three above average hitters in the Tigers lineup, which if you're going to see that from any trio, you'd probably want it from your youngest trio. So, you know, those guys are sticking around. We got to give Kerry Carpenter a little bit of a shout out just to add on to what you talked about with him. This guy was slept on. He was not Torker Riley Green by any stretch. He is older, but he has been awesome this year. I even remember when he was playing the Mariners here in Seattle, he killed them. I mean, he was hitting. He was just hitting out of his mind. And then you look and he's continued to do it and continued to do it and continued to do it. And you say, okay, this isn't a fluke. This is a trend. He's got a 139 WRC plus two. He's got 16 bombs here in the middle of August. It's not a perfect comp, but I saw on Twitter this week, and I actually do see it a little bit. There's a little bit of Matt Olson in his game. Just how you were talking about there's some Mike Trout with Bobby Witt Jr. I'm not saying he is going to be Matt Olson and hit 50 bombs and win MVPs. But just between the left-handed swing and the power, there is a little bit of Matt Olson and Kerry Carpenter. And if they can continue to get production out of him, again, this is a trio of bats that could be the start of something if they can build around it. Wow. That's a, that's that's quite the dig. Yeah. Good job. I, yeah, it's good. Kerry, um, Fuzzy found it this week. Oh. Shout out to Fuzzy for that. But Great. yeah, he was talking about it. And I looked a little closer and I said, yeah, I do see a little bit of Matt Olson with Kerry Carpenter. Look, the Tigers have a long way to go. Their offense as a whole is still not good. They're 26th in the league in Team WRC+, and they need more pitching. But this is a start. It is a start, yes. You gotta, you do have to start somewhere. And now I think we start the timer and see which of the Royals or Tigers truly take that step next. I would say making the playoffs. Who's it going to be next? To be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. The Royals are pretty bad right now, and their their record is significantly worse than the Tigers. But I don't look at the Tigers and say, "Yup, they're significantly closer to the playoffs." Like, eh, probably not. I would probably go with the Royals, and I don't know how much of that is. I love the fact that they are not attached to Javi Baez's contract, but I think the Royals. Yeah, I'm glad Javi didn't rub up rub off on any of these guys. Unfortunately, it was my favorite clip this week when you just saw the the catcher set up on the outs in the other batter's box and just 
Swing and a miss. Yeah, there were Mariners fans in that offseason after 2021 that wanted him. Actually, there was a point, I think, where I wanted him. So I'll call myself out for this. Yeah, that would have been a mistake. Yeah, we would have quite a bit more to talk about here on this podcast. Yeah, there what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let, let's get to our Russell Wilson umpire of the week. We have a very, very special honoree this week that we felt has been left out from the party and deserves his rightful place. Lyle, take it away. Angel Hernandez, come on down, dude. You have been out with back issues nearly all year. We have been waiting your triumphant return. You're back. You're in the show. And you're back to doing what you do best, blowing baseball games. He was awful behind home plate in that Mariners-Royals game the other day. He was missing calls left and right. He was below average on his umpire scorecard. And as always, people were tweeting up a storm saying Angel Hernandez is terrible. He's a disgrace. Why do we still put up with him? And I think it's all warranted. And he was catching stray after stray after stray on the Mariners broadcast. Both of them. Oh, I was dying laughing the other night when he was umping first base and Dave Sims and Aaron Goldsmith were on the call together. And there was that check swing that a lot of Mariners fans thought did not go around on. I think it was Jose Caballero. I'm 95% sure it was Jose Caballero. Check swing. Angel Hernandez says he goes around. Some people weren't happy about it. Dave Sims goes, Angel Hernandez down there with the call at first. And Goldsmith goes, he's back. I, oh, I forget man. what it was. He he caught another stray on the on the pregame show. Shannon, she was going to read an ad. I don't remember exactly which one it is, but we don't give free advertising out on here anyway. So I'm not, I, even if I did that, I wasn't going to mention it. But anyways, before it, it was something related to missing a call. And Shannon said, in honor of Angel Hernandez, yada, 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 yada. Or, sorry, in, in honor of Angel Hernandez behind the plate tonight, yada, 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 yada. I was like, oh, that's that's good. So I thought it was proper because... Angel, we think, was dodging us all season. And now that he's back, he gets his rightful place with the Russell Wilson Umpire of the Week. Angel can run, but he can't hide. Here's my last question on this. Is he the worst umpire of all time? Of all time? Probably not. No. There's been some bad ones. Because if you look on the umpire scorecard, by like results, he's still not the worst. Somehow, he is actually not. Maybe he's just the most famous bad umpire then. Maybe he's not statistically the worst umpire. I mean, uh, you can't you can't measure what these umpires back in the 30s and 40s were like behind the plate. It just you just didn't have the technology for it back then, but back before they had contacts. Yeah. But you talk about bad umpires. I've always said I think CB Buckner is balls and strikes wise the worst umpire in baseball. But you talk about the poster boy for bad umps, it always has been and always will be Angel Hernandez. Yeah, he's the most online hated. That's for yeah. sure. Let's get to speak your mind here. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. What are you thinking about this week, dude? I've had a lot of time to think here before football season. I have two weeks before... My schedule gets incredibly busy with Oregon State football coverage. And 
the one saving grace during the middle of football season is we have a vacation plan to New York City. You and I are going to go. Some of our other friends are going to go. And I've been talking this whole time about making a food list. And I finally, this past Sunday, got around to making a food list. And it just makes me more excited. This is really on my mind. This is also probably the worst part of TikTok is I'll just go down a food rabbit hole. There's a couple of accounts on there I really, really like that are based out of New York. And I just see all of these incredible cuisines that I'm just dying to eat. And of course, aren't offered here in Corvallis, Oregon. So I just stare and I look and I now have a list of 11 places. And there's going to be more on here that I've added right here. Proof on YouTube of 11 places that I plan on dragging Mr. Goldstein here to. You want Lyle did outs himself as not a foodie on our interview with Gary Hill. Go listen to that previous episode of the podcast. Hear a little bit of Lyle's backstory on that. But anyways, because I think Gary actually relates to you, dog. He does, which is good. We, so we I'll pass about- this list on to Gary, too, next time they go to New York. So they go to New York, uh, actually, in a couple weeks. Yeah, we can have – maybe I'll forward this to Gary, and he can go to – he can go try these skelpies out for us. Yeah, Gary, uh, Gary, excited, and I, Gary and I are both PB&J guys, remember? Right. Well, I'm a PB&J guy, too, but I expand my taste beyond that. Okay. Listen, here's what I told you about this trip. It's not that I don't like eating really good, high-quality food like you'll find in New York City. My thing is, I guess I just don't take the time to go out of the way to find it, which is why I have you and our other friends on this trip have you, because what I've told you, and I will say here on the podcast too, the plan for this trip is you tell me where we're going to eat and I will follow. It's that simple. We did this trip last year in the summer, and I think we did a poor job of food planning. We mostly ate where it was convenient instead of where we planned to eat. And I intend on making that 180 degrees the opposite this time. Uh, we're getting like by the day planning on where we're going to eat. I, I promise that. So there's a lot. We got a lot of pizza on here. We got some, we got a Thai diner that I'm really looking forward to. Big thumbs up for my brother. He said he's trying to go there as well. And some delis in New York style. Last place I put on here is a chain, but I mentioned banana pudding. Sounds pretty good. I see the cups of it on online. It looks amazing. Magnolia ba- Bakery. Uh, has looks like they have some incredible, uh, some incredible banana pudding. So that's what I'm looking forward to, dog. I'm just uh, salivating and uh, and waiting for October. Exactly, we'll be there in exactly two months. Yeah, this trip's gonna be going on in mid October, which we've talked about before, not on the podcast, but now I'll mention it here. If the Mariners are still in by that point, that that would be at the time of the ALCS. So we will potentially have some planning to work around if they're still in by then, because we're obviously going to have to play this by year. We said, if they're still in and they're playing while we're in New York, what do we do? I mean, we said we might have to pack our mics. We might have to do some emergency pods. If they're out by then, we'll probably do a podcast ahead of time and just schedule it for that Wednesday just to have a podcast ready for once we're on the trip. But if they're playing, we might have some stuff to do in real time if we're recapping (laughs) games here. Yeah, it's gonna be uh gonna be a scramble, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I think it would be interesting to see how we're gonna pull that off though. Yeah. Listen, let's put it like this. If we have to do that, and I shouldn't say if we have to, we do love doing this podcast. If we do podcasts at that time, let's call it a good problem to have, because that would mean the Mariners are one series away from the fall classic and also have made it the furthest they've made since two thousand one. How about this? We each pick a unique spot. 
in New York City that we we would podcast from needs to have internet, of course, but need to you need to pick one place. So where would you go, dog? Should I send you to to Ellis Island? How about the Statue of Liberty? Just set up outside. How's that sound? What about the Edge, Hudson Yards? Ooh, that would be good. They have Wi-Fi, don't they? They have to. Yeah. Have to. How about that? Central Park. Ooh, I'll go to Central Park. I'll find a okay. Wi-Fi hotspot in Central Park. That'll be fun. There we go. I'll go hang out with the dogs because I know you won't. Yeah, probably not. Okay. <laughs> I've got a couple for Speak Your Mind this week. One, it was my birthday just a couple days ago. That's not the reason I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing this up because of a certain gift I got for my birthday, which I deemed one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. So shout out my brother for this. Shout out to you, Spencer, because on, what was it? Wednesday morning, I get the text from him saying happy birthday. And then I get another message saying, there's somebody here who wants to wish you a happy birthday. And I got a cameo from one by the name of Frank the Tank Fleming, which if you're around our age, you know absolutely who this is. If you're one of our listeners that's a generation or two ahead of us, you don't. And in a nutshell, he is a widely now famous internet sensation who is famous because he loses his mind every time the Mets lose. And he does like 50 cameos a day. He's like the most popular person on cameo. And I enjoyed the hell out of it when my brother sent it to me the other day for my birthday. So I got I got a blast watching that video. It was basically him just saying, yeah, the, the, the Mariners are terrible. They're feeble, just like the Mets. And I was laughing. We are a pro Frank the Tank podcast. The best thing about Frank is... Even though he's like wildly popular and such, he does actually like genuinely love doing all those cameos. You'll see some videos behind the scenes of him recording his cameos and he just continues to do it. I mean, I know uh, from people who know him that like he just likes making people happy and I'm sure he was very happy to to make Spencer's cameo for you, dog, and, and wish you a happy birthday. So that's that's great. As you sent it in our group chat and as soon as you said, yep, someone else wanted to say happy birthday, I'm like, Oh, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was great. We love Frank. Hey, I, I hope we run into him in New York. It's probably like a one percent chance, but just like to just like to shake his hand and say I appreciate what he does. He is on a short list for one of my favorite people on planet Earth. You're on there too, dog. Just so oh, you know. thanks. Dog. But, appreciate but that. I I got a blast out of watching that cameo. My second storyline on a little bit more of a negative note. As of this week. I am no longer associated with Arizona State University because they announced this week they're creating a class called Psychology of Taylor Swift within the realm of advanced topics of social psychology. And it gets it gets into the weeds of the psyche and psychic behind Taylor Swift. I got to find this tweet. I'm going to pull it up as we speak. But in a nutshell... Because this class has been invented, I am no I am now no longer affiliated with ASU. Wow. Well, you were never one for going to class anyways. Well, I, this class is probably online. I'm sure this is not an in-person class, but it's probably like that Beatles class we all took, but regardless. Well, I didn't take the Beatles class, but you didn't? I'm sure you enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all the athletes take that class because yeah, they talk along about with along with uh, geology. Oh, that I never took. <laughs> Oh, what what about basketball? I know uh, a good a friend of ours was big into his basketball credits. Hmm, that I didn't take either. Okay, hmm. here's here's the exact tweet about the class. The course the course teaches advanced topics in social psychology that is featured in Swift's work, life, and fans, including romantic relationships, fiction, escapism, revenge, and social development. 
So in case you haven't picked up on it by now, TJ and I are not exactly Taylor Swift fans, to put it lightly. Honestly, none of our friends from ASU really are. So we kind of rolled our eyes when we saw this. Just seems a, a little bit over the top. I feel like she spends most of the time in her music complaining about her relationships where <clears throat> she might be the problem most of the time. Yeah. And now the fact that there's a class about it, I think, is uh, it's interesting, to say the least. I'm sure there will be plenty of people who want to take it, but... I feel like if you want to learn about Taylor's psychology, just listen to her music. Well, shout out to our friends. They don't have this viral Twitter account or anything. It's just got a few hundred followers, which is still good. I don't want to demean it by any standards. They're a couple years younger than us. But shout out to our friends from ASU who did that Blaze radio show at ASU called Arizona State of the Union. And they quote tweeted this tweet and said, class class sounds like a great opportunity to meet someone who will dump you in a very public fashion. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a good way to put it yeah i i I would not take this class let's put it like that even if it was the easiest class on the face of the earth which it probably is up there yeah yeah i think the athletes will take it probably i mean there's probably athletes that at asu that really like taylor swift i mean i know there's a lot of people out there that really like her i however do not partake and i know you don't either Thanks for taking a stand for us, dog. Oh, there's there's some things you have to do. Listen, when they revoke the class, I will come back on this pod and say, I am now a Sun Devil alumni again. But until then, we're on hold. Interesting. So you're going to go as far as taking them out of your bio? Debatable. If Mm. enough people comment about this, then we're talking. Then, Then I might have to do it. Take a stand. All right. Okay. Well, I think that just about wraps up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. If you want to listen to the full-form podcast, you can listen on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Another reminder, guys, if you do that and you're listening to the episode, make sure to download it. It really does help us big time. And then hit that five-star review because those things can help this podcast continue to grow, which we obviously hope happens. And then you can head over to YouTube, check us out on the video side. Hit subscribe, like, comment, turn the notification bells on, and you can follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.